Welcome to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperfirth and Kyle Reiner, Master Agronomy Advisors for Winfield. Let's talk about soybeans and some things people should keep in mind now as we get into the season. How about we start with weed control? In the weed control piece, there's been a big shift when Roundup resistance started coming on to the weed spectrums here. We battle giant ragweeds. We battle water hemp. In the south, they're battling palmer amaranth. One of the big things people have started to do is they've started to put on pre-emerges, but also layer in pre-emerge chemicals. And what that's doing for us is it's really extending our window. Those water hemp, they seem to emerge later in the year, but kind of all year, especially after a rain, hence the name water hemp. And putting down some sort of a soil residual herbicide to help suppress that, those things are really, really prolific. One water hemp out there will produce upwards of how many seeds, Kyle? 400,000 to a million seeds a plant. If you just have one escape, 400,000 to a million, boy, that's a whole lot of seed stock for next year that it almost looks like an escape is a bad event. And then it's probably going to take you four years just to get to 50% control if you had that. So, I mean, water hemp is something that we battle here in my part of the state quite a bit, but putting pre-emerges down with soil residual really helped that out. That's what I was going to ask you. What plan of attack would you take throughout the growing season if you have water hemp? It starts with a pre-emerge herbicide, but afterwards from V1 to V4 soybeans, when you're looking at that, for trifoliates, putting something down that's got some residual. We've got some older herbicides from the Alachlor family, the Outlooks, the Warrants, that you've got some ability to put some additional residual down. The concept is called layering a pre-emerge. You're layering that chemical down. In Palmer country, in Palmer Amaranth country right now, that's all they do. There's no post-emergent option that works besides a steel hoe. And, you know, the only way that they're doing it is they're just continually layering pre's. And if that pre fails or they only get 96% control, they're out there manually taking out that remainder of the weeds. Kyle, anything else on weed control we should talk about? When Roundup used to work really efficiently, and that's all that we used to spray, um, now it's, like Joel said, multiple modes of action from different chemistries and layering it in. And going with not the medium rate, we have to get our minds wrapped around that this is really our only mode of action that's really going to carry us. We have some resistance issues like Joel's. Elaborating to before where the giant ragweed's an issue, water hemp's an issue, we just can't control it with glyphosate alone anymore. And so we need to use the higher rates of pre-emergence, three-quarter rates, if not full rates. I'm a big believer in that. Tell us more about what you're seeing in the fields when it comes to the glyphosate resistance. And I think one of the things that's interesting, any of our post-emerge options, what we call the burner chemistries, in 1996, Roundup Ready Soybeans came out. I was in the sixth grade. When you think about the resistance, we used those chemistries years ago. They didn't get better with age. We've just brought them back because there's a lack of options. And one of the key pieces that I've had to kind of learn about in this Roundup, this, this glyphosate resistance era is two inches and four inches. If you take a pop can and lay it on its side, it's two inches. If you stand it up, it's four inches. If the weed is bigger than that, it's not going to get killed by any of our burner chemistries. So my advice to anybody who's in a sprayer in a soybean field is to throw your pop can out the window, and if the weed is taller than the pop can, you should stop the sprayer and pull it. 
That's the only way that you're going to be successful killing it. I'm not going to encourage littering, but yes, I do think we need to have a positive approach on scouting and do a timely scouting. And if you're driving by at 60 and you can see the weeds, it's almost become too late. We really have to go out on foot or use a technology of a drone or something to really capture the size of these weeds. Because down south, Palmer will get here. And currently right now, we don't have it in my territory, but it's going to be a steel hole that's got to remove it, and you got to carry it to the outside. And, and that's 50 to $75 an acre on, on hand labor. Plus the cost of the steel hole. Yeah. <laughs> that you break multiple times. And moving on to pest control and plans for pest control throughout the growing season. Well, I think if you're going for soybean yields, it all starts with a good seed treatment. And those early season fungal diseases, the pythium, the phytophthora, the rhizoctonia, those are things to really focus on. Our cool, wet soils that we plant into as soybeans, they have innocuous amounts of these diseases that, given the right conditions, they can come on and start to take things down. I think everything starts with a good seed treatment. Some of the seed treatments in the last couple of years have really advanced in the sense that we've gained some nematicide protection where we've got two options on the market right now that actually kill cyst nematode. There's some others that are biologicals that maybe suppress cyst nematode. And that's a primary yield robber. That's a big deal to be able to help suppress or control soybean nematodes. To elaborate a little bit more, that is the largest pest we have right now in yield robbing in soybeans is cyst nematode. We really have to understand and, and do some testing. We've removed ourselves from the testing process for a long time, and we got to understand, too, that there's different pockets within the field. It's not just go out and take one sample. You need to go out and take multiple samples and understand fully what your number counts are. This spring, we've seen a lot of dirt move. We've seen a lot of corn stalks getting thrown in ditches. I've seen ditches with five feet of black dirt in them. When you have soil that moves that much, your neighbors are moving nice eggs and cysts into your property, whether you like it or not. I think one of the things on cyst nematode that was really interesting, Iowa State came out with an article that in the lab, they had our primary resistance to cyst nematode, or our management practice, has been selecting a variety that is resistant to cysts. And some of those races are now overcoming the soybean plant's natural resistance to it. But one of the things that was really interesting that Iowa State brought up was when aphids were on top of the plant, sucking the sap out of the plant, it made the plant that had a natural race resistance to that soybean cyst nematode, it made the plant susceptible to cyst nematode again. This kind of comes back to this yield as a system. If you have aphids, they could be reducing your plant's ability to fight off cysts below ground, even though you selected a variety with cyst. Now, that's only been really found in the lab, but isn't it fascinating that a sap-sucking vector insect can reduce your plant's immune system to the point where it can't even fight off a cyst nematode below ground? So what you're doing above ground matters what's going on below ground. Look, here's the deal, Joel. If you're raising 40 bushel beans, seed treatment don't matter. Insecticide don't matter. Anybody can raise 40 bushel beans, right? But it does matter when you get into high-yield environments. When you have something, whether it's sucking or biting or whatever it may be doing on your bean plant, my recommendation is using a good quality seed treatment with insecticide on it because you're striving for yield. 
if we're farming, we want the best yield as possible. And so if you are using insecticide and it's systemic and it's going through there and, and they do have to take one bite to die, but they're not feeding on it, you're not losing leaf area that c- captures the photosynthesis, which turns it into energy and produces the bean. We're planting earlier and earlier all the time in our area, and when you do that, you get a bigger photo factory, more growing points, and you get a higher yield. It's been proven through the, the collegiate level. That's that's my recommendations. I was just going to ask you, as big of a yield robber as the cis nematode is, do you think people take it seriously enough? Boy, it's, it's hard to take it seriously. Do you know what a good-looking soybean plant versus a cyst-infected soybean plant looks like? Do you know what the difference is? It looks exactly the same. So at 60 miles an hour, it looks the exact same. So the, the pest just doesn't manifest in a way that's visually unappealing to what the neighbors can see. So that's a limiting factor. We talked a little bit about scouting for them using a soil sample. Well, part of the reasons we stopped soil sampling for it was because it was extremely variable. We would get a number 10 times as much as the next one, even 15 feet away. And the cyst sample, as you think about, how accurate is the cyst sample? If you got a cyst sample of zero, it would be wrong 50% of the time. And if you got a cyst sample of 1,000 eggs per cup, that number is actually plus or minus 19%. And it could be different 10 feet away. The idea that we're going to sample for it, identify the pest, and then make the application, we just have to understand cyst is extremely variable. And that's one of the places where even doing a test with a product that has nematode protection or is an nematicide, the yield results are difficult to be conclusive because if you don't have the pest, the nematicide didn't work or it didn't exactly have a chance to defend the plant. Whereas if you have the pest, the nematicide has a chance to work. Nematodes are really sneaky. They're tough to find, they're tough to scout for, and they're even tougher to get a yield trial that says that one product was better than another. I think that's why we underestimate its presence so much, but its presence might be one of the factors of how we unlock other limiting factors. When we get cyst nematodes taken care of, we probably also minimize sudden death syndrome. Soybean cyst nematodes are probably opening up that soybean plant for sudden death syndrome. And it's a system. Yield is a system. So making sure that those aren't there allows the plant to bolster its immune system against other things that could hurt it. If you can physically go out and see pockets as you're driving by at 60 miles an hour, and it does have a visual, if they are bad enough, you'll see some little bit of modeling or some discoloration of yellow tint in the leaves. And then all of a sudden you'll get a rain shower and then maybe a period of time will go by and then it's not as yellow anymore and you're like, oh, I didn't quite understand what that was. And then it'll be a week or two later and then it'll start up again. Well, so it's just like any kind of insect, they go through cycles. And so you'll see them start and then they'll cycle and then they'll do it again. It's not a constant yellow spot for the whole lifespan of that bean plant. This is The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperford and Kyle Reiner, Master Agronomy Advisors for Winfield. 